You're listening to the Eltham Baptist Church Podcast. Um, today you get the chance to hear a little bit about um, the journey that God has put Jacinta and myself on over the last year or so. Jacinta's up the back there um, cradling our little daughter who you might have heard squealing away while Gudrun was was praying and speaking just earlier. So sorry, Gudrun, if that distracted people from what you were saying, but I don't remember a thing you said. But <laughs> All right, so um, our journey kind of, or the latest instalment of our journey kind of started sort of early last year in January, um, January, I think it was, when we were involved in Jacinta's or in, in a miscarriage of Jacinta's first pregnancy. Um, and this kind of hit us pretty hard. We didn't really know, really know how to take it, although probably, arguably, it hit Jacinta a lot harder than it did myself. Um, but it was also one of the handful of times that I've probably cried that I can remember, um, which is maybe, not in a good way, typical of a guy sometimes. But let me tell you, though, that through this time, God was still speaking to us. We both had a strong sense that it was going to be a girl, um, and it was confirmed to us in a number of different ways. Um, but we thought it would be appropriate to name our unborn child. So as we were thinking about this, we felt like God was telling us that this child was his precious one. And while we were reflecting on that, the name Jade popped into my head, to, um, which, which I mentioned to Jacinta, and Jacinta kind of exclaimed all of a sudden, that actually means precious. So isn't that amazing that God can speak just through little moments like that? Um, he told us it was his precious one, and the name Jade popped into my head, which means precious. In the midst of our grief, we were able to praise God during this time, knowing that he cared for us deeply, and he cared for our baby deeply. Meanwhile, God was growing in us a very strong conviction um, that we needed to trust him this year. This was, sorry, last year in 2015 and beyond. So this year as well. Um, but th this was huge. Uh, so he also was, on top of that, was telling us that he was going to give us a child in the year of 2015, which was huge news after, the, after, we, heard, after we had the miscarriage and went through that. Um, but the day before Mother's Day 2015, um, we received confirmation that Jacinta was pregnant again. Um, and we didn't immediately tell anyone, uh, but the following day on, on Mother's Day, Stuart, um, the lead pastor here, as he was praying for us, uh, felt compelled to wish Jacinta a happy Mother's Day. Uh, but as he was thinking it in his head, it came out as Christmas Day. And um, so Stuart went back to the Lord. He said, it's Mother's Day today so Lord what are you trying to like I want to say happy Mother's Day but sure enough the Lord confirmed it again to Stuart he said say happy Christmas Day so Stuart took that to Jacinta and said I wanted to wish you a happy Mother's Day but felt like the Lord was saying happy Christmas Day but I don't know what that means um, to which Jacinta responded saying well yesterday we just found out that we were pregnant again or Jacinta was pregnant again and um, Although we didn't know the due date at the time, we suspected it was somewhere around Christmas Day, uh, which was pretty phenomenal. But isn't he amazing? How awesome was, is it when God speaks? How amazing that he can say, trust me, I'll give you a baby, and then he confirms it through Stuart's mouth. 
There is a, a point in our journey when I went and was able to, God was able to get me to Greece twice last year, but I'm not going to spend time here. A lot of you know already about Greece. We just heard from Lindsay what happens over there. So if you want to know more, speak to someone here and they'll point you in, in to just about, well, there's a lot of people here that have been to Greece before. So you can hear all about it. But at some point last year, our baby in the, in the womb was diagnosed with a condition called tuberous sclerosis. Um, but very basically, I hope there's no medical people here because I could be um, saying things very poorly. But it very basically means that um, she has tumours in her heart and her brain. So they're not cancerous, but it can be quite serious. Um, a condition that has no cure and can lead to epilepsy and brain damage. It's something that understandably leads to a lot of grief in parents. Uh, and in some cases, even leads to abortion. As they contemplate how difficult life must be for them and maybe the baby as they grow up. But do you want to hear the strange thing? Even in the midst of this heavy news, God gave Jacinta and I as this extreme joy and peace. It was a type of joy that I can only describe as supernatural. It was a joy that I can only ascribe to God. Man or woman cannot generate this type of joy on their own. God was giving us a baby, it was, and this baby was going to be under our care. It's going to be precious. Nothing was going to stop us from caring for this baby to the best of our abilities. And we were excited. But how wonderful that God can give us such joy through dark and troubling potentially dark and troubling times. Uh, the next step, God tells us that he's going to personally take care of this baby. And there are, again, there are a number of instances that led us here. Come and see us after if you want to know more. But we knew without a doubt that this baby was in his hands, in God's hands. We knew that complete healing was going to be taking place and that these tumours were nothing to him. We knew that he didn't have to heal, but it was almost like he was saying to us, your hearts are in the right place, now trust me for this. How can we say no to that? I don't pretend to have the answers for when God doesn't heal, but I do know that this is true for our circumstance. And, the, and I know that the Lord will teach different, um, he'll teach different lessons out of seemingly similar circumstances, but all for his glory. While the Lord was speaking to us in this area, we had, we had the privilege of meeting with um, a, one of the top cardiologists um, around who proceeded to describe in great detail for about 20 minutes um, all about the heart and how the tumours interacted with the heart in, in spe specific ways and about how the valves and flaps functioned inside the womb and if they failed, there were backup systems. And to be honest, it was quite incredible and, I'm not, and I don't do it any sort of justice, um, but... If he was here right now, I'd just have him speak to you for 20 minutes and you'd have no choice but to be left in absolute awe and wonder of God. Uh, it was amazing to hear. But our conclusion out of all this, when God says that our baby is in his care, that he's going to take care of our baby, how on earth can we not trust him in that? It actually it flabbergasts me to actually think that we had a choice to trust him. 
But you know what? Even if God said he wasn't going to heal Audrey, we would still be in complete awe of him and we'd still be able to trust him. Now, as I said, we've been, or maybe I haven't said yet, but we've been blessed with so many amazing medical professionals. Some of them are considered number one in the world at what they do in certain situations. So this has also led to some amazing opportunities where we get to interact with these people uh, on a regular basis. Uh, two instances in particular stand out to me. One was when we were meeting with George, who oversees basically everything and organises all the doctors. Um, we're meeting with him and I got a chance to ask him a question. I said, George, what, do you, what would you think if you looked at the scans one day and saw that there were no tumours? Just I was just wanting to test the waters and see what his reaction would be. He thought about it and said, I'll dance in the halls. And to which I responded, I'll, I'll join you in that. But would you admit that it was a miracle from God? He said, yes, I would. I cannot wait for this day. I don't know what God will do with it, but can you imagine? The second event um, that stands out is... I touched on with, doc, with the cardiologist. His name is Dr. Fong. Um, after he finished this amazingly detailed 20-minute spiel about the heart and the tumours, um, he stopped and waited for some kind of a reaction. Um, but let me tell you that what he shared was not easy. It was quite heavy and hard to hear. And it would be very easy to get very discouraged and disheartened if you had no hope. It's at this point the parents begin to break down. But yes, Jacinta and I had faith. Faith in God. So we were just able to soak in God's amazingness in the situation. It's hard to describe. But after, anyway, after a bit of a pause, we were still just soaking in like what he had said, and it was quite amazing, just the way that God was in it. Um, but he looked confused because clearly we weren't reacting like um, normal parents would in this situation. So anyway, he prompt, had to prompt us. He said, do you have any questions? Um, and I was studying his face and I realized that he, he looked a little bit confused like we weren't reacting proper. Maybe he was seeing us like seeing us look at God and like in the glory and in the moment and all that. I don't know what he was looking at, but... Um, a question did come to me and I said, yeah, I have a question. Mr. Fong, do you believe in God? I don't recall anyone seeing as shell-shocked as him at this moment. Um, but he recovered quickly and after a little bit of recomposure, he said, uh, yes. But I didn't go into what sort of God he believed, but I continued and I said, you see, I, listening to you speak, I can't understand how anyone can't believe in a God. What you've just talked about just proves that there is a God. Um, this led to many great opportunities um, with these people like George and Dr. Fong, these sorts of questions um, around talking about God. So God will use seemingly painful situations for his glory. I don't know what will come with our conversations with George and Dr. Fong, but what I do know is through our faith in the Lord, God was able to use us in these situations. So fast forward a few months to December 15. A lot of you know that that is the day that Audrey was born. Um, it was a very joyous day. But let me tell you uh, the reasons why we chose the name. So it was based on meaning. 
So we didn't know, we didn't know Audrey was going to be a girl or a boy. We were keeping that a surprise for ourselves. Um, but we were pretty confident that, that it was going to be a girl. Like, don't know why, just we're very confident. And um, we decided on a girl's name like that. And even going into the delivery room, we had nothing for a boy's name. I think we were left with Han Solo or something. But, um, and I don't think Jacinta was having any of that. That was all me. <laughs> but that's, so that's, it was basically destined that we were going to have a girl. Anyway, the name Audrey means nobility and strength, while Jane means gift of God. And combined, the, we put the meaning at strength, which is a gift from God. Um, now that is kind of a reflection of our journey in this, and also as well as a prophetic word over Audrey's life, because she would need strength from God, and we would pray that over her. Now, Audrey, because of her condition, had to be constantly and closely monitored in the NICU ward, which stands for the Neonatal Intensive Care Unit. Um, one of the hardest places to walk into, but also one of the most amazing places to walk through. There's so many desperate babies in, in need in, that, in this place, and it was just amazing to see the care put in and the amount of second chances these babies all get. But anyway, if you remember when I mentioned about Stuart um, wanting to tell Jacinta about Mother's Happy Mother's Day, but it came out as Christmas Day. Um, so Audrey was born on the 15th of December um, through an emergency, although planned cesarean. Um, but the date we found kind of confusing because she wasn't born on Christmas Day, which would have fulfilled Stuart's prophecy kind of properly in that sense. But that's okay, maybe she'll get to come out on Christmas Day as we asked on Christmas Eve, and no, not a chance, was basically the response. So they were doing final testings on Christmas Eve, um, and they were adamant that we wouldn't be going home until next year sometime, or this year. Um, so Jacinta was getting ready to type out a message to send around to our little group that we had praying for us at the time, and um, something in me made me stop her um, I was, my thinking was, the doctors know stuff, um, and yes, they are absolutely fantastic in their knowledge, and they are very, very good, but God knows more. So maybe just hold off on that message. Sure enough, when the time came, we had our, had our Dr. Fong come out, um, and, you know, with a, with a heavy look on his face, and, you know, our heart's kind of sinking at the moment, and his body language and his tone... If we'd gone based on that, we would have been, you know, stuck in hospital for another couple of months, definitely. But sure enough, the words came out, you can go home tomorrow provided nothing bad happens tonight. And talk, that was, to us, that was just, talk about mixed messages, right? His body language and his tone, I reckon he was doing it on purpose. He was probably getting me back for the God question, I think. But sure enough, I had to clarify, I said, what do you, what do you mean? He said, if nothing bad happens tonight... You take your baby home tomorrow. What, what joyous news, hey? Sure enough, the very next morning, nothing bad did happen overnight, so we got to take Audrey home on Christmas morning, um, spend Christmas Day with our family. Thank you, God. <laughs> he is faithful. So, as I mentioned, over the journey, we've probably had somewhere between eight and ten specialists look into Audrey's case. Um, some of them are the number one. But despite um, the potentially damning evidence, 
um, that Audrey was going to be in a lot of trouble post-birth. So far, it's been completely opposite to that. So ever since birth, she's had probably 10 or 11 of these EEGs. Um, she's got another one coming up this week. Uh, but I have no idea what it stands for, but basically it just means that they glue wire all over your head and monitor your brain waves. Um, yeah, so these scans were basically being had so that we could monitor whether she was having seizures um, or that sort of thing. So the first scan showed that she had a quite an abnormal brain wave, which is normal for someone with tuberous, tuberous sclerosis. I, I'm probably just going to call it TS from now on, all right? Uh, it's kind of hard to say. Um, but there were no indications of seizures. So it was an abnormal brainwave, but no indication of seizures. Three weeks later, she had a second one, um, and that showed kind of a, a weird kind of a brainwave. It was not really normal for someone with, with TS, or it was not really normal for someone like you or I. And then, then the third week, the third scan she had showed a completely normal brainwave, which is impossible considering she's supposed to have a tumour in there preventing that from being the case. Which is interesting. Again, there were no seizures, and every scan has been like the third. Does this mean that there is no tumour in her head? We don't know. It's hard to say. We don't know what is going on in there, but we do know that these normal brain waves are not normal in Audrey's case. God is clearly up to something. Stay tuned. So you've heard about the brain. Let me quickly run through about the heart. So basically the problem with the heart was that, that she was having, she had this massive tumour that was kind of growing bigger and near the, one of the valves or flaps, which devastatingly could have restricted blood flow or stopped it completely, um, which as you can imagine, blood not getting into the heart, not good. Um, so she was constantly being monitored, and we were having constant appointments with Dr. Fong to see whether um, we might need to have surgery to have the tumour removed or not. Um, but our latest visit with Dr. Fong, he said, um, from his observations, it looks like the, the tumour in the heart has started to shrink, which is not necessarily an uncommon thing for someone with TS, but what a joy those words were, were to hear regardless and could mean that she'll drop the heart medication, and who knows about the brain medication. So she's on two lots of medication at the moment. So who knows what, what's going to happen, but God, you are good. So over this little journey, God has been teaching Jacinta and I a couple of important lessons, or many, many lessons. And some of you may have drawn a few out of what I've shared already. But let me just highlight two of the big ones for us. The first lesson is to trust God and experience joy through trials. An impossible task, if not for Christ. James talks about it. I'm just going to read through a bunch of verses, so if you want to check them out later, write, write down the passages as I read them out. James talks about this in chapter 1, verse 2 to 4. He says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. This serves as an opportunity to grow. Peter talks about it in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 to 9. I'm just going to read chapter, or verse 6. In all of this, you greatly rejoice, 
Though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. He goes on to talk about the faith that you have in Christ brings inexpressible joy. Paul even talks about it in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Note that it says in all circumstances, rejoice always. You know this is big when Peter, James and Paul all talk about this topic. Find joy in all circumstances. How can Jacinta and I explain joy um, when we're told that our baby has tuberous sclerosis <laughs> and is in danger of having seizures and brain damage on top of a difficult life? And then they instantly followed that up with asking us about abortion options, which it pains me to think about abortion. Have you guys seen my daughter up the back there? <laughs> God has brought such joy through little Audrey, not only to Jacinta and I, but to many of you as well, many of their family and friends. To a non-believer, the notion of joy through trials is a hard one to hear. Um, and as I said earlier, the best that I can do to describe it is it's a supernatural thing. It's God and only God. It is faith. Where would we be, be without it? Jacinta and I did have a choice, though. Daily, we have had to turn to him, and daily, he lifts us out. It's not always peachy. Sometimes it's very hard. Matthew 16, 24 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Turn your eyes to Jesus, and let him bear your difficulties. It doesn't necessarily make life easier, but it does make life much more enjoyable. Don't get me wrong in this, there's still a place for grieving. Even amongst your grief, you can find joy. Jacinta and I have grieved, but it's a kind of a beautiful grief. It was in Christ, it was safe, and it was joyous. It doesn't mean that it's gonna be pain-free. It's possible to experience both pain and joy. I don't know if you guys remember a few years back, Chip challenged us with this thing, Peter Pan, cotton candy, double dip, M&M. Does anyone remember that? Yeah. <laughs> so basically it's practice his presence, constantly connected, desperately dependent, moment by moment. Basically that means in each moment, keep your thoughts directed at him. Every moment you're conscious of it, make sure God is your priority. It's a tough challenge. But I think that we can do it. Whenever we're conscious, make sure God is on the forefront of our minds. We can throw in prayers, we can listen, do all of that. There's a little challenge for you. Try and remember that. Well, it's, it's easy to remember the Peter Pan thing, but uh, let me run through it again. Practice his presence, constantly connected, desperately dependent, moment by moment. So just remember, moment by moment, we need to keep our thoughts directed on him. Each moment we're conscious of it. So lesson number one is trust God and experience joy through trials. Maybe that's just one practical outcome of that. There are many more. Lesson two is simple. Let's take all of God seriously. He is who he says he is. 
So take that seriously. Take this seriously. Jacinta and I, we had a choice. We could have gone through life um, grieving Audrey's condition, not really experiencing God's, God's love. Or we could trust that God is who he says he is. And we can grieve, but we can trust him and experience that joy. Let me read you out of Hebrews chapter 6. Um, I'd suggest reading all of chapter 6. It's a wonderful chapter. And there's a lot of amazing wordplay with the Old Covenant in it. But chapter 6, verse 18 of Hebrews. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. These words, it is impossible for God to lie, come straight out of this. I don't even know if I can fully grasp those words. Think about it for a second. It is impossible, impossible for God to lie. If that's true, then this book is God's word. This is truth. It's incredible. But the most important question is, do you believe it? These words demand a response. These, it is impossible for God to lie. So going back to tuberous sclerosis, um, what I didn't mention about this condition earlier is not only does it have tumours that sit in the brain and the heart, but it's also got these things called tubers, um, which with my basic understanding basically are tumours, but they're ingrained in the tissue and the muscles and the organs, so they're impossible to separate. You can't separate them out. The only way would be to have God intervene. So I'm going to suggest to you that there are people in this world that have their own form of tuberous sclerosis. There's so much in this world that can corrupt our hearts. Things that can corrupt our view of the Bible and of God. So we'll call these worldly things tubers for now. These tubers attach themselves to our hearts. And when we go to the word, we have a corrupt viewpoint on what the Bible says. You see, we must never, ever pick apart this book and, and hold on only to the parts that make us warm and fuzzy. There are hard truths in here, especially hard truths to those that might have tubers growing in their heart. If these tubers go unchecked or unaddressed, they can cause permanent damage. It's only permanent if you know the ways of the world, though. We know a God that can undo even permanent damage, don't we? What is written in this book is a lifestyle. It's not something that you can just go to on a Sunday. Not something we go to only when we, we, we feel like we need inspiration. We don't come here looking through the, the lens of the world, but we come to this Bible to look, to, to use as a lens to look at the world. We live this. It's impossible for God to lie. So lesson number two is take all of God seriously. He is who he says he is. Whether we think the Bible might be true, though, is kind of irrelevant. 
It won't change the truth, no matter how hard we might will it. If you find that you don't believe this, then only God can change your heart. Hearing my words won't help you, but hopefully God is speaking through me to you, something that he wants you to know. This reminds me a little bit of Revelation in Revelation chapter 3, 15 and 16, where it, where it says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of your mouth. Um, most of us are probably aware a common misinterpretation of this passage is hot stands for Christians are on fire for God and cold stands for Christians have turned their back on him. And therefore, it, being a lukewarm Christian is, it means you're mediocre in your faith and not really growing. Um, it's better to be away from God or for God. That's wrong. That's not the correct interpretation here. See, hot water was famous in a place called Herapolis for its healing qualities, while cold water was famous um, in Colossae for its refreshing springs. So hot water was for healing, cold water was refreshing. Both were good things. Whereas water in Laodicea was known to be smelly and lukewarm, it was distasteful. The letter was, this letter in Revelation was actually written to the church in Laodicea, so that's what it's actually, so what it is actually saying is that you need to be useful. Don't waste away being distasteful, smelly, or spit out worthy. It's saying take your faith seriously. But let's help each other out. We can do that together. We are and can be a church that encourages each other to grow in faith and trust in the Lord. In Hebrews 10:4 it says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is why the leadership of the church says you must be involved in church. There are so many opportunities to meet with each other and help encourage each other. There's, you're here now on, at church on a Sunday. There's growth groups, there's 412 there's other prayer meetings. There's other opportunities to meet with each other throughout the week. But we also must be careful that we don't neglect the world in all of this. There's a balance here. We can't neglect each other, but neither can we neglect the world. So two main things I'm saying. Trust God and experience joy through trials. And take all of God seriously. He is who he says he is. We're going to face times this week where we're left with a choice to live out our faith or turn away and seek comforts in the world. Change the world or join the world. Believe God or ignore God. I wonder if there might be something here that God is calling you to trust in, trust Him in. A chance for you to step out in faith. Maybe there are tubers that He wants to heal in your own heart. Remember, God can heal permanent damage. I'm just going to pray, and Blair's going to come up. So use this opportunity just to speak with the Lord. Ask him if there's anything that he, need, he wants to speak to you now. Thank you, Lord, for your message in this word, your true word. We ask God that you would reveal to us anything that we need to trust you in, something we need to hand over to you. 
things in her heart which may be ingrained in there that are not of you. They're tubers. Help us to remove those, Lord, like only you can. And we ask now, Lord, also for Blair, that you would be speaking through him, and that you would give us ears to hear your message through him as well. In your name, amen. You've been listening to the Eltham Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to hear more or simply pay us a visit, go to www.elthambaptist.net.